Good morning. I am very excited to be here today. I was telling some folks this morning during uh, service that I grew up in a small town in North Dakota called Harvey. Anybody ever heard of Harvey, North Dakota? Probably not, but we had a, a small Baptist church that we attended. So being back in a Baptist church, kind of a hometown feel, it's really a pleasure for me and uh, very excited to be here. All of the things that I remember from growing up, you know, the hymnal, we don't have hymnals in our church now, but it's just fun to have songs like the Old Rugged Cross because they are so powerful and, and exciting. You know, I, I spent my whole young life there and it was a small church, but all of the people really became you know, the, especially the adults, obviously, kind of raised us, you know, all, everyone was involved in the raising of the kids and they were part of the children's ministry and, and things like that. And, you know, I remember a lot of different messages that we heard. We heard a lot of preaching, but it was really the example lived out by those people that made the biggest impact in my life. And I think it's true today as well. It's not necessarily what you say, but how you live it out that has the biggest impact on the people around you. And even though we were a small church, that really didn't lessen its impact on my life. In fact, it probably was an even greater impact because I was just in amongst it all of the time. And it was really the people that, that almost became kind of like a cloud of witnesses, like we read about in Hebrews. And watching folks live out their lives uh, and live out their faith uh, through the good times, obviously, successes in life, but also living out their faith through difficult times, cancer, loss of loved ones, and seeing people go through that, but then maintaining their faith, keeping their eyes on Jesus was a huge impact on my life. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. And we're going to be speaking from uh, or discussing Hebrews 12. And so if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn there with me. Uh, it's always important that we are Bereans and reading from the Bible to make sure that uh, things do not go off track, right? So I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. I know the bulletin says 2, but we're going to start actually in 1. And it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And that passage is so powerful, and, uh, and it gives us some keys to living this life that God has set before us, the life that God has placed for us, and, and we see keys in there. And before we dive into that, um, I want to look back just a little bit, because the, the writer of Hebrews, I always say Paul, but I, I know that there's, there's speculation that it could be others. Um, but whoever wrote Hebrews, someday we'll know, uh, gave us some, some uh, preface to what he's going to say in chapter 12. And if you go all the way back to chapter 10, right at the end of chapter 10, the writer says, the just will live by faith. And that's a phrase that we see at other places in the Bible, and it's used differently at other places in the Bible. For instance, in Habakkuk and Romans and Galatians, and it has a different em emphasis on each word in, in those books. In this part of scripture, in Hebrews here, he says, the just shall live. It's all about how we live. And so we, the justified by Christ, are to live our lives by faith. And 
kind of closes out that section by saying that the just shall live by faith. And we have to remember, of course, that um, it is God who made us alive in the first place, right? It isn't by our efforts that we are alive. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins and trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And then he goes on and says in 2, 8, and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So it's not, we're not alive because of our efforts. We're not alive because of our good works. We're not alive but by anything but the grace of Jesus Christ who died for us and took the penalty for us, right? But even though we have the Holy Spirit who, who is in us and helps direct us, it is still something that we have a purpose after we are alive, Right? It's not just Jesus saved us, we're alive, and now we sit back and we you know, set the easy chair back and wait for heaven. God really has a purpose for us. And it goes on in Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We have a purpose once we are alive in him. And those works, it says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So it's God who made us alive and gave us the Holy Spirit and gives us abilities and talents and skills, but it's up to us to use them and live that out by faith, right? So then going back to Hebrews, we get into chapter 11 and the Hebrew writer explains in chapter 11, verse one, let's go there for a second. He says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. So he's told us we're going to live out our lives by faith. And now he's going to tell us what faith is, or at least give us some description of faith. And he says, the first is substance. So other translations of the, of the Bible use the word assurance. And the original Greek here conveys that something actually exists. It's, it's the actual existence of something. So you could, you could read this part of the verse as, now faith is the actual existence of things hoped for. And I love the way that's described because it really is our faith in Jesus Christ. We know that he is alive. We can't see him. We can't touch him, but we know that he is alive. He actually exists for us. When you have faith, you believe that the things that you hope for really do exist. And that's living by faith. It says that faith is also the evidence of things unseen. And we know what evidence is. That's a legal term. You collect evidence to build your case. And the more evidence you have, the stronger your case is. And we believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. He really exists. And we have this, which is filled with evidence. We have firsthand accounts in here. We have the fulfilled prophecies, hundreds of fulfilled prophecies by Jesus. And when you apply the fruit of the things that Jesus says, or you see the fruit by applying the things that Jesus says in the Bible, you, you have further evidence. You know, you start applying the things that he tells us, living out his commandments, and you realize, wow, this really does work. And it's even more evidence to show you that Jesus Christ truly is Lord, and he truly is coming back for us someday. So we have this idea of what faith is, and in the rest of chapter 11, the writer gives us examples to encourage us. And uh, it gives examples of people who lived out their lives by faith. And one of my favorites is down in verse 11, or sorry, verse 7 of chapter 11. And it says, By faith Noah, 
So we're talking about Noah. Being divinely warned of things not yet seen. Moved with godly fear. Now, stop right there for a second. You cannot, it is impossible to fear something or revere or respect something that you don't believe exists. You know, if you said, you know, a giant spinach was going to come in here and attack us all, you know, it's like, that's ridiculous. I don't believe that. I'm not afraid of that at all. Um, but, you know, you see here Noah, he was moved by godly fear. He revered God. He believed God with all his heart that he existed. And it caused him to believe what God said. It says he was divinely warned of things not yet seen. So God said, Noah, something's going to happen. And God said, I believe you. I believe you exist. And I'm going to do what you say. And what did he do? He prepared an ark for the saving of his household. Now, that was ridiculous. People mocked him. Because there was no water. He was building an ark in the middle of nowhere. He wasn't going to drag this boat to the, to the shore. Um, he was just building a big boat, but he trusted God through all of that. And what happened? By doing that, it condemned the world. And the world at that time was filled with nothing but evil. It says that people thought of nothing but evil at that time. So by trusting God, it condemned the world and he became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. I really love that, that example. But there's many, many more examples in chapter 11. Um, you see a lot of familiar heroes such as Abraham and Sarah. I mean, having the child of promise when they're close to 100 years old. Uh, Joseph, remember what Joseph said to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. You, you can't go through what Joseph went through and not believe that God is real. Because to say that and believe that God meant it for good is just astounding. And then you have people like Moses, you know, meeting God after decades, actually, in the desert, meeting God uh, with, at the burning bush, hearing what God wants to do with him, going before Pharaoh, seeing all of the plagues, and then out into the desert, meeting God on the mountain, Certainly a lot of faith there with Moses. And then another one I really like is Rahab. She had very little to go on. You know, she just heard about this God of the Israelites and she believed him. She said, you know what? I believe and I'm going to act on that belief. And so I really love that story as well. They lived by faith. They believed they were confident that what God said was going to happen. To them, he existed and what he said was true. And Hebrews 11 is written for our encouragement. We see these encouraged examples of people who lived out their faith. Now, there's this difficult part right at the end of Hebrews chapter 11, right? Where we see that not everyone's life turned out all rosy. There were those who were sawn in half, those who died by the edge of the sword. They were persecuted. They were stoned. But what I love about that section of scripture is it says that they were looking forward to something much greater. It wasn't that they were looking at this life and saying, wow, I must be a failure. I'm, you know, I'm going through this trial. They were looking for something much greater that the Lord had in mind for them. And, and what's so encouraging, I think, because of, in that scripture is you think about, you know, they probably lived 70, 80, 100 years on the earth, but they've been in heaven with Jesus for 2,000 years. And they're going to be in heaven with Jesus for all of eternity. You know, and we go through these trials, we go through these difficulties, but you know, it's really not that long that we're going to be here. 
And, and soon we will be face to face with our Lord. And if we persevere, if we continue in the trials and we continue in our life, living out our life by faith, what a great reward we have to look forward to. It's such an exciting time coming for us. So now let's go back to Hebrews 12. And I'm going to read one and two one more time before we dig into it a little bit. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So what is the writer getting at here in, in Hebrews 12? Throughout the book of Hebrews, the writer has been kind of putting into segments the fact that Jesus is Lord of Lords. He is Lord of all, and he is worthy to be praised. And along with that, he's saying, and this is why you should serve him. This is why you should persevere. This is why you should continue on even through trials and discouragements. And he's encouraging the reader over and over. And this section is the same. Starting with the end of 10 through 11 and here into 12, we see that this life that we live, the life that we live by faith, is, is like a race. And, and he uses the heroes of the Bible to, to encourage us in that race. But we are to run our race with endurance. And the reason for that, that he says in verse 2, is because Jesus endured the cross. It all comes back to the gospel. It all comes back to Jesus Christ. Everything that the people in, in chapter 11 were doing, everything that we are to do in running our race with endurance and living out our life in faith is because Jesus endured the cross. He paid the penalty for us. He did the impossible for us. And um, he is sitting at the right hand of God. He planned the good works for us to walk by, to live that out in faith. And in this life, this race that's set before us, he has authored and finished our faith. And it's such a powerful message. It was true when this was written thousands of years ago, and it's true for us today as well. The writer is telling us through the Holy Spirit, don't stand still. You know, don't live in fear. Don't go back to living the way the world lives. Live by faith with confidence that God exists, that Jesus Christ exists. Take courage from the examples in the Bible that we see here and be thankful for, to him who did so much for us. And we should run that race that's set before us. So now our text gives us three key things we should remember as we do this. Two things we need to lay aside and one we need to focus on. And so we're going to take a look at that here. The first thing he says we need to lay aside weight, every weight. And we need to lay aside the sin that so easily ensnares us. And then we need to look to Jesus. So let's look at each of these briefly. First, we need to lay aside every weight. And this is very relevant for us today. This is not necessarily speaking of sin. Uh, there are things that just weigh us down. And Paul in, says in 1 Corinthians 6.12, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So there are things in our lives that aren't necessarily sin, but they will hinder your walk with Christ. They will weigh you down and you will come under their power if you don't address those things. That's what the word tells us. You know, it's uh, 
there's nowhere in the Bible that says you can't go swimming with a bowling ball, but that's really pretty dumb. <laughs> it's going to weigh you down. You're going to sink to the bottom and you're probably not going to survive. Um, so, you know, there are things that make sense, things that don't make sense. And the Bible tells us those things. It's not too different from our spiritual race. Some things just weigh us down and they're common to all of us. A good example here is in first Corinthians fifteen thirty three: do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good morals or good habits, right? That's common to us all. And while we often think of that as the people that we associate with, it's, it's actually any kind of company. Um, the people we watch on TV, for instance, the people we listen to on the radio or online. Don't be deceived. If they speak contrary to the word of God, they will weigh you down and you can come under their power. The word of God tells us that. They'll corrupt you. There's never been a time in history where information is so accessible and so abundant. It's really amazing. Any time of day, you can see what any of your friends are doing and what they've been up to. Uh, you can get tons of opinions on any topic. Type in a topic, you'll get somebody's opinion on it, right? And you can get breaking news 24 hours a day. Isn't that amazing? I, I, I have never yet seen a 24-hour news station come on and say, you know, nothing really exciting happened today. We really don't have it. It's, it's always, you're not going to believe this every time. There's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There are influences that are different, preaching a different faith than Jesus Christ. On social media, people post only the great things that are going on in their lives, and it's often embellished, isn't it? And, uh, and the result is that today, uh, the, the rate of suicide and depression in kids is higher than ever before. And part of the reason is that kids go online and they see that everyone's life is so much better. My life must be a disaster because everyone else is just having this amazing life. Chat rooms, blogs, podcasts, and other opinion sources, they, uh, they're established to convince you of their opinion. That's, that's really what it is, right? It's somebody who's talking about a topic, trying to convince you of, a, of an opinion, and sometimes they're very good. I, I listen to a few podcasts that I absolutely love, teachers that I really enjoy, but you have to be careful. You have to weigh those things. You have to measure them against the word of God, and if they're contrary, you have to avoid them. You have to reject it. The business model of the 24 hours news networks, plain and simple, their business model is to own your, your life, is to own your thoughts, is to convince you that what they are teaching, you need to know. They give you shocking images. They'll give you shocking stories. They'll give you a little bit of truth and a lot of speculation, a lot of impressions, a lot of ideas. And, and it really is to convince you that their truth is the truth that you need. They even have the tagline, the information you need. Or I saw another one that said um, they have a newsletter called What Matters. You should subscribe to their newsletter, What Matters. And then there was another one that said Life But Better. That was another newsletter you could subscribe to. They'll weigh you down with fear. The faith that they preach is that you need their information to survive. The information you need. And, and the fact is, this is just a business model. This, even though it's driven uh, in a world, a fallen world, but it really is just a business model that if they can convince you that their faith is the one you should follow, then you're going to watch them more. They're going to get better ratings. They're going to get more advertising dollars. That's, that's the whole plan for it, right? 
And I'm, I know this, I'm sounding like I'm on a soapbox or a conspiracy theorist, but remember what Jesus told us in Matthew 7, 15? Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And I just feel like it's so important nowadays when we, when we log in or we watch any of these things, there are false prophets out there. They will try to distract us from what Jesus is telling us in his word. And if we're not careful, if we're not getting more of this than we are of them, they will, you will come under their power. You will be influenced and corrupted by that. Philippians, Colossians, 2 Timothy, Hebrews, 1 Peter, 2 John, they all tell us to beware of deceivers. So we really do have to be aware. And I'm not saying that you, you can't go online or you can't watch the news or, or you, you have to go live in a cave and not be influenced by every, anything. None of the apostles did that, right? Our model was never to do that. Jesus didn't do that. Um, the Apostle Paul is a really good example. He spent most of his misery, ministry, misery, there was kind of a miserable ministry. Um, he was around people who wanted to kill him. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. And, and yet shortly before his death in 2 Timothy 4.7, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Isn't that amazing? After all of he went, all that he went through and, 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 being executed while he is in prison, he says, you know what? I fought the good fight. I kept the faith. I've finished my race. What an inspiring life he lived. So while we're in this world, we don't want to be conformed to it. It's also important to remember that some of the weights are very specific to you. Some of the weights are specific to us all. They, they, they encompass all of us. But sometimes the Lord will say, no, this is just for you. And the example that I'd like to use for you is I don't watch football anymore. And it's not that football is bad. I actually really like football. But professional football made me grumpy. <laughs> and it, it didn't impact my family so much. My wife is here and my kids are, are out being active today. And... Um, it wasn't so much them, but I, it, it weighed me down. It gave me a bad attitude. You know, if my team lost, I had a bad attitude. If the, rump, if the refs made a bad call, I would get upset because they always make bad calls. Um, I'm just kidding. So one day I just quit. I just quit watching it. And, and there's no place in the Bible that says you can't watch football. It's, it's not there. Um, but I didn't want it to weigh me down. And, you know, we still watch the Super Bowl with friends, but most of it is just the snacks and conversation now. It doesn't, it doesn't have control over me anymore. And, um, but I, I have friends, pastor friends, who are um, in fantasy football and all that. It, it doesn't weigh them down because the Lord said, this is for, for me. And, it, and he will do that for you as well. If there are things that, that you have weighing you down in your life, it might not make sense to anybody. But ask the Lord. Say, should I give this up? Should I get rid of this? And not only will he tell you, he will help you. He will help you overcome that. All right. So the second thing it says is lay aside the sin which so easily ensnares us. And notice that it doesn't say sins. It says the sin. And so this section of Hebrews is all about faith, and the sin referenced here is the sin of unbelief. Paul says in Romans ten seventeen that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when we hear the word of God, we have a choice to make. We have an opportunity to believe. And we know it's the Holy Spirit who helps us believe. It says in Romans fifteen thirteen, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing 
that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's still a responsibility that we have, as it says in three, Hebrews 3.12. Brethren, beware, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. It wouldn't tell us to beware if we had no active participation in it. Why would, why would we be told to beware? Uh, about the sin of unbelief, if if it wasn't up to us, if it wasn't something that we had to take um, some responsibility for. We need to watch for this, this sin of unbelief. When we hear the word of God, we have to make a choice. Am I going to act on that or am I going to reject it? And am I going to ignore it? So when we hear the word, the power of the Holy Spirit is there to help increase our faith, but we have to choose whether or not we're going to believe it. And if we disobey or ignoring or ignore it, the Bible says that we are departing from the living God and we become ensnared, as it says, in that sin of unbelief. And, and the amazing thing is the author of Hebrews says this happens easily. We are easily ensnared in the sin of unbelief. So we have to beware. We have to be diligent in prayer, reading the word daily, assembling together like you do to worship and, and to fellowship very, very important to, to continue to do those things. All right. So the last key this text gives us is that we need to look unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. The most important part of this, continuing to look unto him. And this is where the writer of Hebrews kind of wraps up this section on faith before moving to other topics. He tells us that Jesus is the author of our faith. The word here described is, is one who takes the lead and provides the first occasion or, or really becomes the ultimate example. Even though we may have many witnesses to encourage us, they were just people. All of the witnesses described in 11 are just people. All the witnesses that I had that encouraged me over my life was just people. Um, James talks about um, Isaiah, right? Where he says, Isaiah was a man with a nature like ours, but he prayed. That's so amazing, isn't it? You know, he was just a man. But here he says, even though you have all of those examples, look to Jesus, who was both man and God. He, was, he is the author and the finisher of their faith. So Jesus is the ultimate example. He's the originator, the leader, the predecessor. He established this faith, and it is him that we look to. It also says that he is the finisher of our faith. And I love another translation of this, which says perfecter. I love that word for this. He is the perfecter of our faith. And the word here described is one who has in his own person raised faith to its perfection and set before us the highest example of faith. That's what Jesus did for us. And this Greek word that's used here, it occurs nowhere else in scripture. It's pretty amazing. It's described only by Jesus. So Jesus is perfection. He is the perfecter of our faith. He lived a perfect life, and it's a process for us to live by it as well. Paul tells us in Philippians 3.12, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Steve, I think you brought that up this morning in Sunday school, didn't you? Bring that one up. 
I know this church is alive. I know this church is alive. I see it in your faces. I heard it this morning in Sunday school. And I know this church prays and that you have a heart for Christ. But I do believe this message was, was brought to us today to tell us not to give up, to continue on. Whatever road we're on, whatever race we are running, the Lord isn't done with us yet. He still has a plan and purpose for every single one of us. It may be that we're just here to be witnesses to others, that they will look and see your life that you're living and they will follow it and say, wow, that's, that's amazing that you're living this out. It could be that the Lord still has great things uh, for his ministry that he wants to do. Remember, Abraham was 100 years old when he got started. So there's no way that any of us can say, well, you know, I, I'm all done now. Never. God is never done with us until he's done with us and we see him face to face. And so I believe that the Lord is saying that we need to continue to run with endurance. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus and not quit. So as we go out today, I just want to leave you with a couple points. Jesus made us alive and we live by him in faith. He truly exists. We know this by faith. The Holy Spirit helps us give us there. And we have this book of evidence that continues over and over to prove to us that Jesus exists and he is alive today. If you ask the Lord to show you the things that are weighing you down and the areas where you may have unbelief, he will show you. Lay those things aside and you will run your race with endurance. The Bible tells us that. And above all, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus in all of your running of your race. Look to him because he is the author. He is the perfecter and he will offer author and perfect your faith as well. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the word that you brought today. And, and I do pray, Lord, that you would bring this word deep into our hearts, that we could truly understand your love for us, as it says in Ephesians. And I pray that you would grow our faith in you, that you would help us to lay aside those weights and those sins. And I pray that uh, everything that we do, Lord, as we go through our week and the people we interact with, I pray that we would be able to point them towards you with our lives and with our words. We give you all the glory and it's in Jesus' name. Amen.